This is part two in a two-part series on the chapter titled The Need for Decision for Truth from Charles Spurgeon's book, Lectures to My Students. I hope if you uh, don't have a copy of this book that you would purchase one or find one or borrow one uh, and read through it. It's helped me tremendously in my ministry. I think it will help you in your ministry also. And if you'd like, there's a link to the book in the description of this video down below. You can click on that and avail yourself of it if you'd like. But in, in this chapter, the title, The Need for Decision for Truth, may sound like it's a lesson on how to lead people to make decisions for Christ, but that is not at all what the chapter is about. Rather, this chapter is about why preachers need to make up their minds about what is true and then to stick to it, to hold to that decision for truth. And instead of this constantly conforming to what the world decides is a fashionable belief, preachers need to resist that pool of the world to conform and instead, as Spurgeon puts it, be decided for truth, to be bold in their declarations of what is true. Spurgeon lived in an age when theological liberalism was beginning to invade the church. Ministers of all denominational varieties were beginning to chip away at the doctrinal pillars of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That trend continues still today. Many pastors, many churches, many denominations, uh, many places of training for preachers, seminaries and Bible colleges are beginning to more and more chip away at those truths that are vital to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And now, as much as in Spurgeon's day, if not more, are preachers needing to be decided for truth. Spurgeon addressed three questions in this chapter, and those three questions are the dividing lines in this two-part video series. The first question that Spurgeon asks and answers in this chapter is, in what ought we to be positive? And those question, that question was answered in the previous video. I recommend you find that and watch that. But the second and third questions are these. How are we to show this decision? How are we to exhibit our commitment, our bold commitment to truth? And the third question is, why should we at this particular age be decided and bold? Spurgeon answers those questions in this chapter, and here's his answers to those questions. So how are we to show this decision? By asking this question, Spurgeon is not insinuating that we need to manufacture some attitude or demeanor with which to show the world our position, but rather to show us, or I should say to warn us against mistaking a combative attitude for holy resolve for truth. Spurgeon explained it this way, Don't go about the world with your fist doubled up for fighting, carrying a theological revolver in the leg of your trousers. There is no sense in being a sort of doctrinal gamecock to be carried about to show your spirit, or a terrier of orthodoxy ready to tackle heterodox rats by the score. Be prepared to fight, and always have your sword buckled on your thigh, but wear a scabbard. There can be no sense in waving your weapon about before everybody's eyes to provoke conflict. There are theologians of such warm, generous blood that they are never at peace till they are fully engaged in war. But not only should our 
attitude reflect truth and grace, but our daily actions also should reveal our commitment to truth. Spurgeon said, A man's life is always more forcible than his speech. When men take stock of him, they reckon his deeds as pounds and his words as pence. If his life and his doctrine disagree, the mass of lookers-on accept his practice and reject his preaching. I can conceive no surer method of prejudicing men against the truth than by sounding her praises to the lips of men of suspicious character. When the devil turned preacher in our Lord's day, the master bade him hold his peace. He did not care for satanic praises. It is very ridiculous to hear good truth from a bad man. It is like flour in a coal sack. When it comes to how we live out this commitment to truth, the preacher must be willing to make sacrifices. Spurgeon noted, We must be ready to give up anything and everything for the sake of the principles which we have espoused, and must be ready to offend our best supporters, to alienate our warmest friends sooner than belie our consciences. We must be ready to be beggars in purse, and off-scourings in reputation rather than act treacherously. We can die, but we cannot deny the truth. On the flip side of this commitment to truth are the compromisers of truth, who are in the ministry as long as it is convenient and lucrative. These same compromisers are often the first to criticize a preacher who is committed to truth. Spurgeon describes them this way, There are plenty of curs about, who would follow at the heel of any man who would keep them in meat. They are among the first to bark at decision and call it obstinate dogmatism and ignorant bigotry. Their condemnatory verdict causes us no distress. It is what we expected. In this chapter, the third and final question that Spurgeon asks is, why should we, in this particular age, be decided and bold for truth? I think you'll find his answers exceedingly relevant still today. Spurgeon mentions how one of the reasons there was a need for bold preaching and preachers decided for truth in his day was because it was an age of doubting, and there was a need for preachers to be solid in their faith and resolved in their convictions. He said, Well, brethren, as the age is doubting, it is wise for us to put our foot down and stand still where we are sure that we have truth beneath us. Perhaps if it were an age of bigotry and men would not learn, we might be more inclined to listen to new teachers. But now the conservative side must be ours, or rather the radical side, which is truly the conservative side. We must go back to the radix, or root of truth, and stand sternly by which God has revealed, and so meet the wavering of the age. Spurgeon also notes the careless, frivolous attitude of his day as a reason for preachers to take bold stands. He says, The doubters now are usually doubters because they do not care about truth at all. They are indifferent altogether. Even good people do not believe out and out as their fathers used to. Some, even among nonconformists, are shamefully lax in their convictions. They have few masterly convictions such as would lead them to the stake or even to imprisonment. Mollusks have taken the place of men, and men are turned to jellyfishes. Far from us be the desire to imitate them. 
Spurgeon gives a third and final reason why preachers of his day needed to be bold and decided for truth. He said, It is an age which is very impressible, and therefore I should like to see you very decided that you may impress it. It will receive what it is taught by zealous men, whether it be truth or falsehood. It may be objected that falsehood will be received the more readily. That is just possible, but anything will be accepted by men if you will but preach it with tremendous energy and living earnestness. If they will not receive it into their hearts in a spiritual sense, yet at any rate there will be a mental assent and consent, very much in proportion to the energy with which you proclaim it. Aye, and God will bless our decision too, so that when the mind is gained by our earnestness and the attention is won by our zeal, the heart itself will be opened by the Spirit of God. I think Spurgeon's observations of the characteristics of his day and the spirit of the age in which he ministered are still very much apropos for us today. Moreover, we live in a day, an age, uh, yes, of doubting, of frivolity, of an, of an impressibility. Our age is easily distracted, addicted to entertainment, and growing in its inability to focus. All of this only aggravates its frivolous, doubting, and impressionable characteristics. So, my brothers, let us likewise be decided for truth, to be bold in our stand and our declarations of truth. May God give us grace to do this. Until next time, may your ministries be blessed and your preaching be bold for truth. Bye-bye.